I was born the first time, April 1, 1930, in Portsmouth, Ohio. I was born the second time, June 22, 1954, in Detroit, Michigan. I was born twice, so I have two citizenships. My first birth made me a citizen of the United States of America, and my second birth made me a citizen of heaven. And for the 43 years that I have been a citizen of heaven, I have never experienced a meeting, a conference, or a gathering such as this. I am persuaded that the only thing that exceeds this is that great meeting they had on that Sunday, June the 2nd, A.D. 29, when the Holy Spirit swept through the upper room of John Mark's mother's house on the day of Pentecost. Coming over in the, we were coming over in the band, and I was talking to Reverend Baker, and he asked me, how did I feel preaching in this great meeting? I said, man, I'm nervous as a whore in church. I said, I want all of y'all to pray for me that the Lord will help me to communicate to you what I feel like he has given me. I'm going to ask... While you, while you pray for me, the, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Solomon 5, 9, and 10, and St. John 1, 17, and 18. And I want to say again, I greet all of you in Jesus' name, all of the, uh, the presiding general superintendent who has now left, but he was here, Superintendent Ershon, district superintendents, and all of the presbyters, and all of you prophets, and shepherds, and preachers, and teachers, and leaders, and feeders and elders and bishops and ministers and servants and writers and fighters and organizers and agonizers and, and singers and clingers and players and prayers. I'll greet all of you in Jesus' name. The Song of Solomon 5, 9, and 10. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women. What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. St. John 1, 17 and 18. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now I am very much aware that these contexts and four verses, two in the old and two in the new, have their own independent meaning in the context that they are in. They say that the three great disciplines that control preaching or the three disciplines of theology about preaching are apologetics, homiletics, and hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science of preaching, homiletics is the art of preaching, and apologetics is the proof of preaching. So when you deal with the science of preaching, you have to explain these verses in their context. I want to argue the point that all of the Bible is for the church, 
but all of the Bible is not to the church. And in both of these contexts and in verse number 10 of the Song of Solomon of that chapter, the chiefest among 10,000, and in verse number 18 of St. John 1, only begotten, I can only hear one message. And what I hear is this, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. I don't know who counted them, but there are 82 billion people who have lived and died. There are 6 billion people now living on planet Earth, and there are billions more to be born. But there's nobody like Jesus. My reason for getting something out of the old and the new is to illustrate, which I think is the most profound, eloquent, and unequivocal fact about the Bible, and that is the fact that the Bible is a Jesus book. The Bible is the world's greatest book because of its Jesusness. The United States National Library that we commonly call the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., and the Canadian National Library in Ottawa, Canada, have a combined total of over 100 million books. But the Bible is the baddest book in the whole library. And what makes the Bible... What, what makes the Bible the great book that it is, is its Jesusness. And so I take it out of the old and also the new because I want to say that Jesus is the God of both Testaments. He's the God of the old and the God of the new. Now, if you believe in God and don't believe in Jesus, you got a problem. To believe in God and not believe in Jesus is to believe in water and not believe in ice. To believe in God and not believe in Jesus is to believe in rock and don't believe in stone. To believe in God and not believe in Jesus is to believe in Nashville and don't believe in country music. To be... To believe in God and don't believe in Jesus is to believe in apostolic and don't believe in Jesus' name. You cannot believe in one and not believe in the other. So you cannot believe in God and not believe in Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is veiled. But in the New Testament, Jesus is unveiled. The Old Testament, Jesus is wrapped. New Testament, Jesus unwrapped. The Old Testament is the intimate Jesus, but the New Testament is the ultimate Jesus. The Old Testament is Jesus the innermost, but the New Testament is Jesus the uttermost. The Old Testament is Jesus contained, but the New Testament is Jesus explained. The Old Testament is Jesus concealed, but the New Testament is Jesus revealed. The Old Testament, you may be seated, the Old Testament is Jesus enfolded, but the New Testament is Jesus unfolded. 
The Old Testament is the intimate Jesus. The New Testament is the ultimate Jesus. The Old Testament is the panoramic Jesus. The New Testament is the psychoramic Jesus. The Old Testament is Jesus in picture. The New Testament is Jesus in person. The Old Testament is Jesus in shadow. The New Testament is Jesus in substance. The Old Testament is Jesus in ritual. The New Testament is Jesus in reality. The Old Testament is the eternity of Jesus, and the New Testament is the paternity of Jesus. But it don't matter whether it's the old or the new. Jesus is the God of both Testaments, and there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. And you know, when you speak, whenever you use the Song of Solomon, you kind of have to explain yourself because there are a lot of critics who think that the Song of Solomon does not belong in the Bible. And the reason being is the writer of the Song of Solomon, the hymnologist, puts great emphasis upon the woman. When you read the Song of Solomon, you'll notice the description of the biological construction and the physical anatomy of the female homo sapien. He talks about the woman's physical body from the tip of her lovely nose to the tips of her pretty toes and don't leave nothing in between out. And so the critic says the book is too literal. It is too physical. It cannot be a book that is inspired. But we know this. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. Solomon was the secretary. He wrote it down on paper, and the Bible takes the physical to teach the spiritual and the natural to teach the supernatural. Solomon wrote this book, the Bible said in 1 Kings 4.32, he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his, song was a thousand, his songs were a thousand and five. But this one is called the Song of Songs. This is his superlative song of the thousand and five songs he wrote. This one is the centrifugal. And in this song, when we applicate it and interpretate it before we celebrate it, we can see a relationship between Jesus Christ and his New Testament church. And in this incident here in the Song of Solomon, Solomon talking to the Shulamite girl. And then this young lady was waiting for Solomon, her lover, to come by. And she was half asleep, half awake. He came she missed him, and she rushed out into the street looking for her lover. And the street women said, what are you doing out here? You don't belong out here with us. And she said, I'm looking for my lover. And they said to her, looking for your lover, what is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women, what is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? And she responded, my beloved is white and ruddy, the cheapest among 10,000. In other words, this is what you call a prodigious, parabolical, figurative representative. You can't say it, so they say it like this. The cheapest amongst 10,000, the superlative wonder of the universe, the greatest among the mighty and the mightiest among the great, the loftiest among the humble and the most humble among the lofty, the sweetest among the lovely and the loveliest among the sweet. I'm looking for my lover, and that lover was Jesus, because there's nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. <laughs> you may be seated. And so, 
When Solomon talks, I think everybody ought to listen, though, because the Bible said, the Bible said in 1 Kings 11 and 3, he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, 1,000 women, 360 days in a Jewish year. If he spent one day with each one of these women, it would take two years, nine months, one week, and three days to get around to all of them the first time. So anytime a man with that much experience about love talk, we ought to listen. He is this great love story. And this is a great love story between Jesus and his church. And I want you, I want you, his church, to know, don't nobody love you like Jesus. Oh, don't nobody love you like Jesus. Some of the critics said the book don't belong in the Bible because there are 13 words in the original text that are not Hebrew words. They are not words of any language that the Jews had diplomatic relationships with. But you have to understand, when a man has uh, 700 wives, and many of these are foreign women, they speak other languages. Solomon didn't know the languages of all of his wives, so Solomon did like young American men do when they go into the military, and they send them to a foreign country. They send a young man to Japan, he doesn't know the language, but he does first learn how to say, Ojo-san, doko ni arimasuka, chilikagi. Lovely young lady, what is your name? May I have a date with you? Solomon learned enough about some of those languages that he could at least speak to them, and that's, that's how those foreign words got into the text. But when we applicate it, we see this great love story between Jesus Christ and his New Testament church. Jesus loved you in the past. He loves you in the present. And he loves you in the future. And can't nobody stop Jesus from loving you. <clears throat> so the writer, the writer, the writer St. John, the writer St. John says in St. John 117, for the law was given by Moses, and he says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that grace came in front of truth. When you read the New Testament, you'll notice you never see nothing in front of grace. Grace fronts off everything. If truth and grace would have come, you never would have lived to see grace because truth would have had you killed. So grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And then St. John, St. John gives us this profound statement. He says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, only begotten in the Greek text is monogenus. Mono is one only or unique. And genus is a race, a genera, or a species, or a kind. So somebody said carelessly, recklessly, and loosely, look at Jesus. He's one of a kind. Hold it. Everybody in here is one of a kind. You have your own, fin you have your own fingerprint own voice tone. Jesus is more than one of a kind. Jesus is the only one of an only kind. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus Christ is in a class in a, a classification 
in a category all by himself. In Hebrews 1 and 3, the Bible calls Jesus the express image of God's person. Jesus Christ is a person, so we know him. In Galatians 3 and 27, the Bible said, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When you put on Christ, you get in Christ, and Jesus Christ, who is a person, becomes a place. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, the Bible said, We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Colossians 1 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this treasure in the earthen vessel is Jesus in you in the power of the Holy Ghost and Jesus becomes a thing. In Acts 2.38, Jesus is a ceremony. We've been baptized in his name. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and 17, Jesus is an event coming back to get us. Look at Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. He's a person, place, thing, ceremony, and an event. If he's a person, he's a who. He's a place, he's a where. He's a thing, he's a what. He's a ceremony, he's a why. He's a event, he's a when. Only Jesus Christ can be a person, place, thing, ceremony, and an event. <laughs> There's nobody like Jesus. Only, only Jesus can be a person, place, thing, ceremony, and an event, or a who, when, what, where, and a why. Nobody like Jesus. Chiefest among 10,000, only begotten. You don't know nobody just like Jesus. You know, we're living in America today, and we are experiencing the careless use of words. I saw an article in a magazine called Charisma. I got so mad, I was mad enough to fight. But I didn't fight because I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I was there when I got saved. But in that article in the Charisma magazine, they had the nerve to call the United Pentecostal Church the other apostolics. Hold it, y'all. We are not the other apostolics. We're the real apostolics of the other Pentecostals. <laughs> They, they called us the other Pentecostals. We're the real Pentecostals. You see, we, we use words so carelessly. And in this country, the language is so tricky, words don't mean nothing. You know what I mean. After all, a butterfly in a fly, it's a moth. A dandelion in a lion, it's a flower. A color flower, you're not a flower, it's a vegetable. A jellyfish ain't a fish. It's a squid. A kid mouse is not a mouse. It's a bird. A panda bear in a bear is related to the raccoon. A chipmunk in a monk is a squirrel. A pole cat in a cat is a skunk. A baboon in a boon is an ape. A pit bull in a bull is a dog. A mountain lion in a lion is a cougar. A sea cow in a cow is a walrus. A funny bone in a bone is a nerve. A peanut in a nut is a bean. And a homosexual in a gay is a pervert. of words, they have taken this great, this great word Pentecost. You see, I like that sign out on the road that says the Pentecostals. That's a great word. 
Pentecostal is the adjectival form of the noun Pentecost. And Pentecost means you identify with a particular day in time. On that particular day of Pentecost is when the church was birthed in the upper room, not the supper room. And when the church was birthed in the upper room of John Mark's mother's house, Peter preached that great sermon. It spilled out into the street. The Bible said that the same day they were added to, unto them about 3,000 souls. And the Bible said they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So here's the point. You cannot be a Pentecostal without being an apostolic. Apostolic means like the apostles. And the real Pentecostals are apostolics. And if you're not an apostolic, you're not a Pentecostal. If you're not a Pentecostal, you're not an apostolic. <clears throat> and the Bible said, the Bible said in, in the 11th chapter of Acts, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now the word Christian, we say the word Christian, we say it means Christ-like. But that means somebody didn't look it up. Because the word Christian don't mean Christ-like. In the 14th chapter of Matthew, verse 25, Jesus walked on water. I haven't seen nobody walking on no water. Dr. Frank Mink, I haven't seen you walk across the Ohio River yet. The word Christian means Christ-like, they say. I've never seen nobody take three Big Mac hamburgers and feed everybody at the Final Four basketball tournament. The word Christian don't mean Christ-like, and there's nobody like Jesus. The word, the word, the word Christian is taken from the Greek word Christianos on page 672, column 1, and paragraph 3 of the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament Bible by the eminent Greek scholar Dr. Joseph Henry Thayer. He said that the word Christian referred to the people who were the followers and worshipers of Jesus Christ. A Christian is a follower and a worshiper of Jesus. Anybody don't worship Jesus, it don't count. I don't care who you worship. If you don't worship Jesus, it don't count. <laughs> Muslims. Muslims worship God, call him Allah. That don't count. Jehovah Witness worship God, call him Jehovah. That don't count. Greek Orthodox worship God, call him Theos. That don't count. Nobody gets no credit for worshiping God unless you worship Jesus, because Jesus said in the 14th chapter of St. John, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. <laughs> You had, ain't nobody ever talked like that. Jesus said, I am the way. Buddha said, go that way. Plato said, go that way. Mohammed said, go that way. Jesus said, I am the way. <laughs> Jesus said he was the truth. Jesus said he was the life. Without the way, you can't go. Without the truth, you can't know. And without the life, you can't live. So a Christian is a follower 
and a worshiper of Jesus. Matthew 4 and 10, the Bible says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You serve the God you worship. I can hang out with you, anybody in here, one hour, any one of the seven days of the 24 hours in the day. I can tell you who your God is because you serve the God you worship. If you worship money, you serve your business. If you worship fashion, you serve clothes. If you worship education, you serve degrees. If you worship knowledge, you serve science. If you worship entertainment, you serve television. If you worship your belly, you serve food. If you worship your body, you serve exercise. If you worship getting high, you serve drugs. Let me encourage you, worship God and serve Jesus because there's nobody like Jesus. And Jesus is the only God worth worshiping. There's nobody like Jesus. So they've taken those three great words, Christian, Pentecostal, and apostolic, and they messed them up so bad, they don't have no meaning. But you can't be a Christian without being a Pentecostal. You can't be a Pentecostal without being an apostolic. If you're not all three of them, you're not none of them, because you can't be one and not believe the other. And Christianity is the worship of Jesus, and the Christian faith, in a definitive sense, is the only faith, only religion the world has ever seen that is not centered in a doctrine, a dogma, a philosophy, a moral code, an ethical code, a set of rules, or a set of principles. It's centered in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And there's nobody like Jesus. <laughs> we love to brag about Jesus and boast about Jesus, but sometimes I think we ought, to put, we ought to put Jesus on the witness stand. Let Jesus testify in his own behalf. Listen to Jesus. He says in Revelation 1 and 8, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Not the end, y'all, the ending. E-N-D-I-N-G, because the end ends. But there is no end to the ending. Jesus is the ending. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now you call that a transliterated verse because they brought it out of the Greek into English and only put it in English letters, and they never did translate it. They transliterated it. Since they didn't translate it, we'll translate it right now. All right, he says, I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet equivalent to the English letter A. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, but its English equivalency in pronunciation and diction is the long O. When you get a word with two O's together, like the cow said, moo, the ghost said, boo, the young folk think they cool. If they cool, they better stay in school because a dropout is a fool. Whenever you, <laughs> whenever you have a word with two O's together, it's called the long O. Try it then. I am Alpha and Omega. I am A and I am O. It don't work. It committed literary suicide because we translated the words and we didn't translate the thought, the idea, or the concept behind the words. We'll try it again. I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha the first letter. A, Alpha the first letter. A the first letter. Omega the last letter. Z the last letter. I am A and I am Z. That's working better. We are now in the right cotton patch to get our hundred. But we haven't got it yet because he said 
He is in the present. Let's put it in our language. Is in the present, was in the past, is to come in the future. What that saying is, Jesus don't have no past nor no future. He dwells in the eternal present. He always is. <laughs> and so then, when you expand that translation, he's saying, I am Alpha through Omega. Or if you agree, if you're a Hebrew, I'm Aleph through Tav. If you're an Egyptian, I'm Ox through Box. Since you speak English, we speak English, he's saying I'm A through Z. You know the 26 letters in the alphabet make every word in the dictionary. That large dictionary in the library has over three quarter of a million words. Every one of those words come from the alphabet. I know you see that. Jesus is God's alphabet. There is no God thought, no God idea, no God concept, no God revelation, no God exposition, and no God disposition apart from Jesus Christ, the God of heaven on the throne but the earth. He came to try everything he did and said. He is the alphabet of God. Jesus Christ is God's alphabet. You know, certain letters mean certain things. Certain letters mean certain things. If I say to you, NBC, ABC, and TBS, that's telecasting. If I say to you NCAA, NIT, that's college sports. If I say to you NBA, NFL, that's big league sports. ATT, ITT, that's communications. If I say to you UPC, uh, PAJC, ALJC, PAW, religious organizations. If I say to you CIA, KGB, FBI, and IRS, that's terrorist organizations. <laughs> certain letters mean certain things. Well, these, these letters represent the complete revelation of God in Jesus Christ. There's nobody like Jesus. So Jesus is really saying, here's what he's really saying. I am Alpha through Omega. What he's really saying is, I am Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, Kappa, Lambda, Mu, Nu, Xi, Omicron, P, Rho, Sigma, Tau, Epsilon, Phi, Psi, Chi, Omega. You a Hebrew? He's your Aleph, Beth, Gimel, the Left, Hey, Bob, Zion, Keth, Teth, Yod, Kaf, Lamet, Mame, Nu, Sonic, A, and Fei, Pei, Sadi, Kup, Ray, Sheen, Sheen, Thav, Thav. Oh, you speak English? Jesus is your A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T. U-V-W-X-Y-Z. There's <laughs> nobody like Jesus. Hey, Genesis 17 and 1 and Revelation 1 and 8, he's the almighty God. B, Luke 1, Jesus is the blessed God. C, 1 Peter 5, 7, he's the caring God. D, Daniel 3.15, he is the delivering God. E, Deuteronomy 33.27, he is the eternal God. F, 1 Corinthians 10.13, he is the faithful God. G, Titus 2.13, he is the great God. H, Leviticus 19.2, and 1 Peter 1.16, he's the holy God. I, Joel 32.8, he's an inspiring God. J, Exodus 20.4, he is a jealous God. K, Psalm 17.8, 
He's a keeping God. L, 1 John 4, 8, he's a loving God. M, Isaiah 9, 6, he's the mighty God. N, James 4, 7, he's a nigh God. O, Matthew 28, 18, he's an omnipotent God. P, Philippians 1, 8, 6, he's a performing God. Q, 1 Timothy 6, 13, he's a quickening God. I, Nehemiah 9, 17, he's a ready God. S, Isaiah 35, 3, 4, and 5, he's a saving God. T, Jeremiah 10, 10, he is the true God. U, Exodus 3.14, he's the unlimited God. V, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Jesus is the very God. W, St. John 5.17, he's a working God. X, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9 says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. You can't hide because he's the x-ray vision God. Oh, he sees you wherever you go. <coughs> Why? Why? Matthew 27.15, He's a yielding God. Z. St. John 2.17. He's a zealous God. Jesus Christ is God's alphabet. Every word is in the alphabet, and Jesus Christ is every word of God. Jesus Christ is the perfect and complete revelation of God. There's nobody like Jesus. So Jesus... <coughs> so Jesus Christ then... Is in a class all by himself. Let me say this. What makes Jesus so special and so different? Jesus Christ, I don't know how to say this, so I'm going to say it like this. Jesus Christ is the only one who ever existed before he existed. Drink that in your little sanctified teacup. He existed before he existed. Jesus Christ existed before he came into the world. In other words, he pre-existed. John put it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I remember in the Greek class, we had to make an expanded translation from that verse. I expanded the translation. In the beginning was the person of God, and the person of God was with God, and the person of God was God, because God is his own person. <coughs> A fellow said to me just, this, just the other day, he said, Johnny, if Jesus is God, who was he praying to in St. John 17, 5, when he prayed, and now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was? I said, look, man, that's a dumb question. I'm going to answer your dumb question with two smart questions. It takes a smart question to shut down a dumb question. I said, you want to know who Jesus was praying to? I said, the Bible said in John 4, 24, God is a spirit. There is no indefinite article in the Greek text. Not a spirit. God is spirit. All right. The Bible said in Acts 20 and 28, God purchased the church with his own blood. You tell me where did a spirit get blood from? And you tell me who did God purchase the church from? And when you answer my two smart questions, you have an answer to your one dumb question. Nobody like Jesus. It's nobody like Jesus. <clears throat> so Jesus, Jesus existed before he came into the world. Nobody pre-existed like Jesus, and nobody was ever born like Jesus. The birth of Jesus Christ different than any other birth in the world. I am the father of eight children. I have three daughters, and all of them have five brothers. I didn't try to get none of them. I was enjoying the pleasures of their mama. That's how they got here. 
But Jesus wasn't born like that. Nobody was born like Jesus. <clears throat> people, people read the New Testament, and when they read the New Testament, they get confused. They read about Jesus, and they say, he got tired, I get tired, he's just like me. Hold it. There are some things that Jesus did you can do. There are some things Jesus did nobody can do. Please remember, Jesus had an earthly mother and a heavenly father. So some of the... <clears throat> some, of, some of the stuff that Jesus did, he did it on his mother's side. Other stuff, he did it on his father's side. That cannot be duplicated and it can't be replicated. Well, look at me, for example. Look at me. I got light brown eyes on my mother's side, but my ears stick out on my father's side. I got rough kinky hair. My grandchildren say, Grandfather, your hair is screwed in. I got nappy kinky hair from my mother's side, and I, I got dark skin from my father's side. I got thick, full lips from my mother's side, a prominent nose from my father's side. I got long fingers on my mother's side, dark skin on my father's side. I'm pigeon-toed on my mother's side, bow-legged on my father's side. I got a sense of humor on my mother's side. I'm an analytical thinker on my father's side. Jesus is nobody like Jesus. Jesus was the son of man on his mother's side, but the son of God on his father's side. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus was the seed of Abraham on his mother's side, but before Abraham on his father's side. He was the seed of David on his mother's side, but the root of David on his father's side. Jesus was finite on his mother's side, but infinite on his father's side. He was natural on his mother's side, but supernatural on his father's side. He was physical on his mother's side, but spiritual on his father's side. Temporal on his mother's side, eternal on his father's side. He was six feet tall on his mother's side. He filled all space on his father's side. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus preached the word on his mother's side, he was the word on his father's side. <clears throat> Jesus, nobody likes Jesus. Jesus, Jesus walked by the sea on his mother's side, but he walked on the sea on his father's side. He was 33 years old on his mother's side, but the Ancient of Days on his father's side. He got hungry on his mother's side, but he fed the 5,000 on his father's side. He got tired on his mother's side, but he gives me rest on his father's side. He prayed in a garden on his mother's side, but he answers my prayer on his father's side. He died on the cross on his mother's side, but he kept on living on his father's side. He got his body from his mother's side and his blood from his father's side. And on that Wednesday, he took that blood to the cross. And when Jesus took that blood to the cross, he efficaciously did the work and he purchased the church 
of the living God, and you are that church, and Jesus is in love with you. Love him back. Don't take down. Stand up. Stand tall. Hold up the banner, because there's nobody like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus went to the cross, and he shed his blood, and he brought this church out of the world. And listen, if he would have wanted you to be like the world, he would have left you in the world. And the reason he saved you and brought you out of the world is to be different from the world. And the church and the world don't mix. You're in the world, but you are not of the world. And remember who you are. And remember who you belong to. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. You belong to Jesus Christ. There's nobody like Jesus Listen, the federal government calls you a taxpayer. The politician calls you a voter. The attorney calls you a client. The physician calls you a patient. The educational system calls you a student. The retailer calls you a shopper. The airlines call you a passenger. The hotel calls you a guest. The radio station calls you a listener. The people across the street call you a neighbor, but Jesus calls you mine. I bought you with my blood. You belong to me. Upon this rock, I will build my church. There's nobody like Jesus. And so then, Jesus loves his church, and his church loves him. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? And please remember, you see this building here? This building is not the church. You are the church. You are the church, and the church comes to worship, or it gathers in a building. The church is not a building. The church is not Roman Catholic. The church is not Protestant. The church is not denomination and the church is not an organization the church is an organism it's the body of jesus christ that he purchased with his own blood the church is god's called out assembly what makes you the church is he called you out of the his very own so live for him because there's nobody like jesus in isaiah 62 and 12 you're sought out the 40th Psalm, verse 2 and 3, you were brought out. 71st Psalm and verse 6, you were took out. 107th Psalm, verse 3, you gathered out. Jeremiah 30 and 7, you're saved out. Matthew 2, 15, you're called out. St. John 15, 19, you're chosen out. The 6th chapter of Acts and verse 3, you looked out. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, God said, come out. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he said, purge out. Hebrews 11 and 8, he said, work, go out. He said in Philippians 2, 11 and 12, work out. James 3, 13, he told the choir, when you sing, show out. And in St. John 10, 29, Jesus said, I'll put you in my Father's hand, and can't no man pluck you out. Can't nobody take you away from Jesus. If you backslide, you backslide on your own. Can't nobody take you away from Jesus Christ. You belong to Jesus Christ, and there's nobody like Jesus. Do you how much he loves you? He gives you his name. The Bible said in Ephesians 3, 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God's church in the earth has its name. Don't tell me that it ain't nothing to a name. Don't tell me that the name don't mean nothing. I know that my name don't and your name don't. The church I belong to in Detroit, we have a brother in our church. His name is Brother Alonzo White. And Brother Alonzo White is black as a midnight Florida swamp. 
You can't see the brother when the sun go down. He may not be like his name. Our names don't mean nothing. I know our names don't mean nothing. My name is John. You call me Johnny, but the name John means the gift of God. Look how y'all do me when your battery gets weak and you want to go to the toilet. You say, where's the John? Well, why don't you say, where's the Anthony? Or where's the Mike? Or where's the Richard? I don't care what you do with John's name. You better not mess with my Jesus name. <laughs> he gave us his name. There's no name nowhere like Jesus' name. Jesus', Jesus name, Jesus' name is the mountain peak of etymology. Jesus' name is the superlative wonder of linguistics. Jesus' name is the stellar attraction, the feature presentation, and the centrifugal of all phonics. Jesus' name is a picture of the ugliness of sin and the beauty of holiness. Jesus' name is a portrait of the love of God painted on a human canvas. Jesus' name is the reason for our existence. There is no name nowhere like Jesus' name. That's the name of the family in the earth. He gave us his name. The Bible said in Ephesians 3.15, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So it really means my name is Johnny James Jesus. There's my friend Roland Baker Jesus. There's my friend Rodney Paymer Jesus. Stan Gleason Jesus. Anthony Mandon Jesus. Because Jesus is our name. That's our name. Somebody said we ain't got nothing but Acts 2.38. Look, we'd have to baptize without, if without Acts 2.38. We'd have to baptize in Jesus' name because Colossians 3.17 said whatever you do in word or deed, you do it all in that name, in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the only name. The Bible said in James 2 and 7, don't blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called. In the Greek text, the worthy name called over you in baptism. Somebody, somebody said baptism ain't in the epistles. You study James 2 and 7, the worthy name called over you in baptism. That same name is the name of Philippians 2, 9 and 10, where the Bible says it's exalted above every name. It's the same name in Acts 4 and 12 that the Bible said, neither is there salvation in any other. It's the same name in Luke 21, 17 that the Bible said, you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. It's the same name in St. Mark 16 and 17 you can cast out devils with. It's the same name in Acts 2, 38. Acts 8.16, Acts 8.38, Acts 9.18, Acts 10.48, Acts 16, 16.33, and 19.5 and 6. It's the only name in the Bible anybody ever got baptized into. <laughs> it's the same name. It's the same name in the 14th chapter of Zechariah and verse 6. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. It's the same name that will be the name that all legitimate business will be done in during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It's the same name that Proverbs 18 and 10 said is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. It's the same name in the 34th Psalm verse 3 we should exalt together. It's the same name that the Bible said in Nehemiah 9 and 5 is exalted above all blessings and praise, no praise, no eulogy, up there with that name. 
The name of Jesus is the world's greatest praise. There's no name nowhere like Jesus' name. That magnetic, magnanimous, magnificent, mighty, marvelous, monumental, majestic, wonderful name of Jesus. And he gave us his name. We are the people of the name. Stand up for the name. Hold on to the name. Don't give up the name. Everything we have is wrapped up in the name. <coughs> In conclusion, the apostolic doctrine is the world's greatest truth, and that great truth is centered in the name of Jesus. God does not have but one church in the world, one called out group of people, and this group of people are identified by his name. These people have been washed in his blood, and these people belong to him. We belong to Jesus Christ, not just for a few days in time, but for all of eternity. We belong to Jesus Christ. So I beg you, I petition you, I beseech you, don't give up Jesus. Don't give up the theology and the apostolic doctrine. Don't give up the truth. It is the most valuable and the most precious thing we have. Everything that we have is wrapped up in this. Let them go that way. Let them turn. Let them go charismatic. Let them go whichever way they want to go. But let me ask them, were they crazy then or are they crazy now? Because they couldn't have had good sense both times. The Bible is right, and the Bible is right all by itself. And the 12 apostles of the Lamb, with the exception of John, gave their life for this great truth. We have Jesus, and when you got Jesus, you said it, you've got it all, because I don't care who you compare him with, there's nobody like Jesus. They said Columbus discovered America, so what? Jesus made America. They say Balboa discovered the Pacific Ocean, so what? Jesus made the ocean. Armstrong walked on the moon, Jesus made the moon. There's nobody like Jesus, and can't nobody save you but Jesus. Nobody can save you but Jesus. Who but Jesus can take somebody and change them from an ain't to a saint? Who but Jesus can change somebody from zero to hero? Who but Jesus can change somebody from a gangbanger to a choir singer? Who but Jesus can take somebody off the bar stool and put them in the church pew? Who but Jesus can take them off the street corner and put them in the amen corner? Who but Jesus can take somebody from a street walker and make him a tongue talker. Who but Jesus can take him out the dope pit and put him in the pulpit? Who but Jesus can take him from the guttermost to the uttermost, from nowhere to somewhere, and no thing to something. He's the chiefest amongst 10,000. He is the only begotten of the only one of only kind. And the bottom line is there's nobody like Jesus.